what it does extremely well in mimicking uh, is that it, it makes heavy use of a technique called uh, embeddings, uh, which, as uh, Gary Marcus uh, writes, makes it really good at substituting synonyms and more broadly related phrases. But the same tendency towards substitution often leads it astray. And on top of that, it never fully masters abstract relationships. So it does not have, as we've said, that abstract relationship, not even understanding. It just doesn't have uh, a clear and strong grasp on abstract relationships um, between words, right? And so this is, this is really helpful, I think, to understand that ChatGPT is a probability engine but also one that is largely driven by pastiche, mimicry, synonyms, substitution, and plagiarism, right? Just outright plagiarizing uh, 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 or, you know, what is sometimes uh, called soft plagiarism, um, which is essentially the taking of somebody else's work and, and just rephrasing things or using substituting synonyms, such that's not the exact copy-paste hard plagiarism, but is instead plagiarism in form and, and largely in content, but just doing the work of substitution rather than the work of production. And I think that to me is what's like really important here, right? That like chat GPT, we have to understand it as not some, it is producing, but it is producing pastiche, right? It is producing mimicry. It is producing substitution. It's producing synonyms. It is a thesaurus for the English language, uh, you know, or a thesaurus for answers uh, to questions. You know, that's, I think that's, that's the way to understand how ChatGPT, at this stage at least, largely works. Something else I've seen where people are like, you know, oh, the, the, le- the amount of like stuff we can do with ChatGPT uh, is, you know, and, and all of the, the, the jobs it can replace for copywriters and coders alike. Um, you know, uh, you know, it, it's like having a, a, a genius, you know, super genius AI at your disposal. And I saw somebody on Twitter, the, 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 the tweet was lost to me in the timeline long ago. So I'll never be able to, uh, attribute this correctly, but I saw somebody on Twitter describe it as not the way that it's being written about commonly, which is as this like one, uh, like a singular genius AI system um, at your disposal. But instead, it's better to understand it as a uh, not one smart guy, but a thousand really dumb guys, right? <laughs> like that's the way to understand chat, right. chat GPT. And there can be a lot of uses for a thousand really dumb guys who do exactly what you tell them to do. But that a thousand dumb guys do not uh, 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 equal one genius um, AI, right? Like, and I think that's a key distinction. I think also, you know, I think someone who might be a fan or a believer in it might hear that and say, well, you know, like we didn't train it on enough data, right? I think that's one of the built-in defense mechanisms of the large language model argument is that, well, as we train it on more and more data, it's able to have better and better conversations with people, right? You had chat GPT-1 or GPT-1, which was what, like five gigabytes 
two was on 40 or 50, three is on 754, which comes out in the spring of next year, is going to be uh, trained on terabytes or you know, a significant, uh, a much larger chunk of the actual internet in of itself, right? So the argument here and the idea might be, well, it's a thousand dumb guys because you can't train an artificial mind or an artificial entity to think on just 750 gigabytes, right? The human mind takes in so much more data and information, and it also has some backed in because of the genetic predisposition, pre, uh, the genetic faculty to, to to learn language and understand it. You know, so it's operating at a deficiency. But you know, as you were talking about it, as I talked about earlier, the one, the the core thing that is not addressable, no matter how much data you put into the data sets, is that these things just don't actually understand how the world works and it's not and again it's like they don't understand symbolic relationships they lose track of 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 objects and conversations they are confused by numbers they're confused by relationships and properties that are emergent of abstract entities and they can't merge them together or separate them again right so it, it so it has an inability to understand the world on a fundamental model a fundamental level, which means it has no understanding, which means it has no way of mapping, keeping track of, or holding consistent the rules of the world, which means that it lies, invents, hallucinates constantly, right? So it, it, we can give it more data, and it can be better at anticipating some of the ways in which people speak because of the probabilistic function that's going on there. But you're still going to be able to fool it. You still shouldn't trust it, and you should still avoid it. It will only be useful as a blunt instrument or a tool or device of entertainment, but not actually be anything that, if you seriously think and consider, is impressive. And I think the um, the AI scientist I talked about earlier, Gary Marcus, he had a really interesting piece where he kind of talked about how ChatGPT four will come out next year, and it will be it will probably be interesting. And it will be impressive to some people, but we have to step back and again ask, you know, what, there are two things we should ask. What do we want artificial intelligences to do with language? And, and maybe that means we just want them to be tools that amplify human function, or we want them to actually be able to understand the world. And are the systems, infrastructures, processes that we have capable of making that happen? Right. Probably not, as he argues. Right. He has a bunch of predictions, seven dark predictions, he calls them. And I think they're like really good ones and kind of anticipating how GPT-4 might go. And, and his argument boils down to, you know, one, GPT-4 is going to be still blunt instrument. It's going to be, as he writes, like a China, a bull in a China shop, reckless and hard to control. It will make a lot of really stupid errors in ways that are hard to anticipate and predict. Sometimes it'll do what you want, sometimes it doesn't, but you won't really still be able to anticipate whether or not it's hallucinating or not. And it will still be unreliable when it comes to reasoning about abstract systems in the real world. So physical systems, psychological systems, mathematical systems, right? And the examples that we talked about, GPT-3 had no idea how to, how to, how to deal with numbers, how to deal with medicine, how to deal with uh, physics, how to deal with uh, internal states of people's minds, right? And so maybe 
because it will have a larger data set, it will be able to hit higher benchmarks and mimic humans better in some of these specific questions. But in longer extended scenarios, Marcus insists, it will likely be confused, right? And that the confusion will result in a few things, right? It'll probably result in guardrails that people, the strict guardrails that will be put up, but guardrails that will be circumvented because eventually the, the chatbot will be replicated and built upon by other people. 